Welcome back to Hot Off The Pod. It's so nice to be back after, God, I don't know how long, a a month hiatus, I think. Something like that. Something like that. (laughs) Anyway, I'm your co-host, Harper Lambert. And I'm Melanie Zement. If you've been following the podcast, you know we've covered the impact of coronavirus from a few angles, science, media, medicine, politics, on a national and local level. Um, But today we want to turn towards another field, one that's very close to our hearts here at Hot Off The Pod, and one that's largely responsible for getting us through these chaotic times, the arts. When COVID took over the world last March, Santa Barbara was forced to shut down large group activities and venues, including local arts institutions. In the face of shutdowns and continual uncertainty, some organizations have found innovative ways to adapt their programming for a pandemic age, allowing people to stay connected through art and culture. Today, we're going to be talking about arts and lectures, which according to its website is the largest and most influential arts and lectures organization between Los Angeles and San Francisco since the late 1950s. So although the organization hasn't been able to hold in-person events since last March, they've been striving to keep the arts alive during the COVID-19 pandemic through alternative programming. Joining us today is Caitlin O'Hara, who serves as the Interim Programming Manager for UCSB Arts and Lectures. Caitlin, welcome. Thanks for joining. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Speaking as somebody who moved here to Santa Barbara to attend college, yeah, I was born and raised in Los Angeles. I, I don't think when you first move to Santa Barbara, you realize how rich and varied the local art scene is here. I mean, there's the Modern Arts Museum, there's the Film Festival, there's a ton of movie theaters. Etc. So I was wondering, just to begin with, how would you describe Santa Barbara's art scene and where arts and lectures fits into that? I would totally echo what you're saying about moving here and being kind of surprised about how rich of an art scene it is. Not only are there all the institutions you just mentioned, but I feel like almost everyone I meet is an artist. I mean, you both yourselves have been talking about know your artistic efforts and so it's like everybody in this community is so invested in the arts and everywhere you turn people understand that it's it's fundamental to who we are and how we want to live and how we want to be in terms of how arts and lectures fits into that you know we're really lucky to be able to bring world-renowned artists to Santa Barbara So Santa Barbara does have this thriving art scene that it generates itself, but where we can step in is like bringing touring artists here. And so we have this rich abundance of performers, speakers, you know, all across the gamut. And it's like, you might expect to see them at the greatest halls around the world, but you can see them right here in Santa Barbara. So I think that's our really key role that we play. Yeah, and and just to go into some more background about the organization, um, when we're not in a pandemic, what kinds of programming do you guys specialize in? It's hard to pick a specialty because I think that we have strengths in so many areas. Um, that said, I think our dance program is is one we're known for. We bring the most notable dance companies to Santa Barbara. For example, we were going to have the Joffrey Ballet from Chicago and the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater Company here. 
of course, they cannot come in person, but we've had them, both of those companies here before, along with many others. And I know that a dance is one of the disciplines that's very appreciated in Santa Barbara. So I think, you know, we have a really discerning audience and a very trusting audience of our programming. So we're able to bring some pretty pretty innovative groups as well as the, the people you hear of all the time, like New York City Ballet and, and those types of companies. As well, our classical music program is top notch. We have people who are the top names in classical music, like say Yo-Yo Ma or Itzhak Perlman or, you know, people like that. But then we also have people who have never performed here before and maybe are not quite at that level in their career, but we know that they will be soon. For example, Yuja Wang started out on our Up Close and Musical series at Han Hall at the Music Academy, which is a very small hall. And now she's one of the most famous pianists, you know, of our time. So we have new music, people who are innovators, as well as people who are just the leaders in their field. So classical music is definitely up there. I think that I saw Samantha B through arts and lectures when I was a freshman. So you've got comedy, you've got music, (laughs) I got everything. Yeah, she was great. And yeah, kind of along those lines, I guess, because you're pulling talent from all over, people who are touring, people who are maybe more local to this area, how do you decide who to book? And, you know, what's the process of that? Yeah, I would say there are a few different ways. One is that we have relationships with people who have come before or their agents have said, oh, you know, if you book this person, you'll really like this artist or speaker. Um, So that's one way. And then really just having our, you know, ears on the ground and fingers on the pulse. Um, We have a lot of people who are just voracious readers. And so they're constantly consuming media and saying, hey, I heard about this great, you know, this great person doing this great work. So it's a little bit of one kind of these planned, like we go, I was talking about how we have this APAP meeting where presenters tell you who's on tour and what, you know, what programs they're going to be touring that year. So that's sort of a more traditional route, but then also this sort of like more spontaneous discoveries that we say, oh, we have to put this person on our series. And it's a lot of coincidence. Like, I can't believe this person just came out with this book on this topic we've been talking about, you know, and they have a new book out next month. Great. You know, so it's really just um, having your ears and eyes open all the time and being open to these possibilities and being creative about how they could fit in and where they could fit into to what we already have planned for the for the season. Does part of that process kind of include speaking with UCSB students and faculty or does the organization kind of plan programming separately? It absolutely has to do with talking to students and faculty. I'm sure as, as you know as students uh, we work closely with classes so almost every person that we bring on stage will work with students off stage so they'll if if it's a musician, they'll work with music classes and do a master class. If it's a dancer, we'll do dance classes with our with UCSB dance students. If it's a speaker, we 
work with professors and classes and find the right um, classes for that speaker to, to join and engage with those students. So we are always working closely with faculty and encourage and love it when they build our programming into their syllabi so that we're working together on this. And then we also reach out to students and ask for their opinions and, 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 and advice on who would you like to see and what about our program is engaging to you? You know, what would you like to see more of? That kind of stuff. Yeah, speaking as someone who's been to a ton of arts and lectures events, more of everything, please. <laughs> um, more of you, I think. Is what we, um, yeah, we have, it's called our Student Advisory Committee. We work with, through the work-study program, and we employ dozens of UCSB students, and uh, they're very involved in, in giving us feedback and um, helping us figure out, you know, how things will work for students. So that's key. But I'm glad that I'm glad to hear that you're a fan because it I really it makes me feel so good. And I, you know, students can be hard to reach sometimes because you're not reading necessarily the an interview in the local paper or, you know, just we we have different channels to reach you. And sometimes we don't always, we're not always able to reach you. And so I often will talk to students who are like, oh, I missed that event or I didn't hear of it. And so I'm constantly like, how can we better communicate to students? Because I, I know how valuable this program is. And I know that once you try it, you'll love it, but it's like, sometimes it's that initial step. So that's where classes can come in and be really useful. Cause it's like, if a student has to watch something as part of a class, then suddenly that world is open to them. So to take you back a little bit to the beginning of the pandemic last March, when the pandemic first hit at the end of winter quarter, uh, where was arts and lectures at with programming for the rest of the year? Like, were you in the middle of the season? Did you have to cancel a bunch of events? Or did it throw off your plans for future quarters right away? Well, it was March and we did have to cancel a bunch of events. So March is in our, what we call our winter quarter, but it was kind of toward the end. So it was mostly our spring quarter that we had to cancel, which was a serious bummer because we had some of our, some of our most popular and most exciting events of the year were scheduled like Brian Stevenson. He's an attorney and human rights activist. He founded the Equal Justice Initiative. Anytime you have the chance to hear him speak, you have to go. Uh, but the good news is we've been able to reschedule him, but you know, it was, it was a letdown um, at the time. Banff, which is one of our most popular events, was canceled. That was the first event that was canceled. So at the Arlington Theater every year, we, we screen these environmental and adventure films that come from the Banff Film Festival. And that, that, was, that was a sad one because it's like a tradition in Santa Barbara where everybody goes every year and, you know, that, that wasn't able to happen and so anyway, it was just, it was really sad, but it was also just that nobody really knew what was going on at the time. So we were, we were making these moves and thinking like, well, who knows how long this is going to last. And, you know, I remember the lead up, like, should we cancel? Do we have to cancel? And all these conversations. And then, I mean, it was day by day, we realized 
yes, <laughs> we have to yeah. cancel. Yeah. And, and with like the regulations and restrictions kind of changing day by day, have you guys been able to do anything, you know, 50% capacity or has everything just kind of been closed to try and keep everyone safe? Everything has been closed. Um, I will say that during the summer, we were able to use the drive-in movie theater in Goleta, the Westwind Drive-In, and that was a huge success, and we were so happy to be able to do that. We put on free films that were, you know, we just programmed, like, things that would appeal to everyone. We had family-friendly. We had kind of our student advisory committee give us some films that they felt students would want to watch. And then we had some sort of general interest films and we made it all free. We had food trucks. We had a DJ MC the event. So it really felt good. And it was somewhere that people could go and be socially distanced, but still feel like a community event. That was, I would say, the, the most that we were able to do in terms of like in-person Santa Barbara County has had a restriction on any sort of lot, like you cannot have any live music, even if it's distanced or anything like that outdoors. So we haven't been able to do any kind of live music program, but, you know, hopefully that will change as the, the months go on. We were about to just bring Wynton Marsalis and uh, the Jazz at Lincoln Center Orchestra from New York. They were going to do a concert in the, we were gonna put them in the Granada to do a concert and then we would stream that. So it would be a fanless concert. And we were, we were scheduling that for February, but right now it, it doesn't look like that's able to happen. So we're not moving forward with the Granada performance, but as part of that, we are still doing a huge residency with them. Um, so it'll be virtual and anybody from like tiny tots to adults, can learn from Jazz at Lincoln Center Orchestra members. We have programs called Weebop, which is for the tots. So that's something that everyone can participate in. I was going to just say that I think the resurgence of the drive-in theater is an unexpected silver lining of this pandemic, if that's possible. Like I had never been to one until a couple months ago. Um, there, I don't I don't think I even knew they still were around. And it's just such an ingenious idea because you literally can be alone in your car, but still get the feeling of seeing a movie with a big crowd of people, which I really, really miss. So I think that's been a really cool side effect of this maybe. But I mean, I understand that that's kind of an anomaly in terms of pandemic arts programming. It sounds like for a lot of other organizations, they've either had to close all of their programming down and just hope to reopen after everyone's been vaccinated or uh, they've had to go fully virtual. And it seems from what you're saying that Arts and Lectures has been able to do a little bit of both. It sounds like you have some hybrid programming. Is there anything else besides virtual events or the West Wind screenings that you've been able to kind of adapt? The bulk of what we've been doing is virtual uh, just because, like I said, there are so many restrictions that it's it's hard to work around and it's hard to plan for because you don't know what the situation will be in, you know, a month or two months or a week, you know? So 
right now everything has skyrocketed here in Santa Barbara, right? And I think that a few months ago we would have thought that we'd be in a much better place by now. So yeah, virtual is really where we've where we've focused because we know that we can do that and that we can move forward with the events that we plan. We we do want to try to innovate and do new things, but we don't want to just keep saying we're going to do something and then, oh, we got to cancel it, you know, so that's not fun for anybody. So um, the virtual has been the most robust area of our programming. So, you know, we've been talking about what a vibrant art scene Santa Barbara has, and I know your organization has been very hard hit by the pandemic, but also all the artists that depend on being hosted by programs like yours are, you know, suffering a lot right now. Um, Are there ways that your organization is finding they can sponsor some of these artists and help to keep the arts alive during, you know, what is arguably could be the end for a lot of artists and arts organizations. It's so true. And that has been really hard for us because like I said earlier, we have these relationships with many of the artists we bring and, and the whole ecosystem that goes with it. You know, you have everyone who tours with them, you have their agents, you have their managers and we all work together. And so that has been a focus for us. Like how can we, keep sustaining you during this time. And, you know, virtual is one way. It's definitely not, it's not the same as, as bringing a whole touring company here, but it's like at least something that we can do to keep them working. We've been trying to reschedule any event that was canceled for a later date just to keep them on the calendar. But yes, we have had conversations with the artists and speakers we work with and, uh, you know, it's really tough out there for everyone. So that's a weight we feel. And it's not just the touring artists. I mean, it's people here like the Arlington Theater, the Granada Theater, Santa Barbara needs help too. So we're just, we're trying to do what we can, but we also realize that these are really unusual circumstances that we have to pay attention to. And and it's serious and the pandemics. <laughs> so what, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We can't just ignore that. So it's it's hard to strike the balance, but we're we're trying. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, this might seem like kind of a silly question, but I'm just curious about what you think as to the future of virtual events um versus these live performances. I think that we all know there's nothing quite like, you know, being in a theater and watching a company dance or an orchestra perform, but virtual events kind of have some interesting upsides where like you're able to maybe reach more people or people can, you know, watch events when they want to on their own time. So, you know, for us doing school online, I think that's one thing where we're sort of like zoomed out totally, but, you know, for people who aren't in school maybe and just don't have a lot of outlets right now to the live arts. Do you think that they've been responsive to all of these virtual events or do you think people are like ready to just be in person and go back to the way things were? I think it's both. I think everyone is definitely zoomed out. (laughs) (laughs) We're also so grateful that we have Zoom and that we can be connecting right now and that we can be watching the arts or whatever it is, you know, online. So I think 
for sure, everyone's itching to get back to the theater. But yes, there are definitely some things about virtual events that we can appreciate. I mean, we can appreciate just that we have the virtual events, um, but there's also some upsides. For example, with what we've been doing, we really try to make it like, we don't want to just put on something that people feel like they could just go see on YouTube or something. Like, how do we make it special and interactive and feel still like something to get excited for and like an event that you're showing up for? So one element that we do is we have whoever is, if it's a um, speaker giving a talk or if it's a musician performing or whatever, uh, after their event, they'll do a Q&A with the audience. And so that's one way that people can, I mean, if you go to a show at a concert, you know, a concert or something, you're never going to get to ask the singer your question, you know? So right. that's something that people are, are excited about. And even if you don't have a question, it's cool to see somebody respond to your neighbor's question or whatever. And then, you know, you mentioned that people can sign on from wherever. We've noticed that we have people from all over the world buying tickets to our virtual events. And we, I mean, we've really been promoting it as a Santa Barbara event, but through social media or whatever, people find out about it and they're logging in from China and the Netherlands and Brazil. And so in a way it's like connecting all of us during this weird time, you know, you'll see in the chat, hello from Brazil, and you know, <laughs> can't wait till you can travel back to, you know, wherever. So that's a really kind of exciting thing to see. And then, of course, there's the fact that you can, if you're busy at the time it's live, you can watch it later, or you love it so much you want to watch it again, or, you know, that's a really cool thing. And then there's also just the way that is filmed like you know you can get a close-up of somebody performing in a way that you can't see when you're in the back of the theater you can see their hands hitting the piano or whatever it is and and you really feel immersed in a different way I don't think that people are going to replace going out to see a concert with oh I'll stay home on virtual but I do think it has been uh, something that we can be really grateful for and and relish during this time. Yeah. Oh yeah. This podcast wouldn't exist without Zoom. So <laughs> Zoom for that. <laughs> yeah. So kind of turning towards the transition back to in-person events, which hopefully will happen sooner rather than later. Um, you know, it's interesting to think about how this time will change the way that arts and lectures works in the long run, if at all. Do you think that everyone is going to come back when things come back to, to life? That's a good question. I personally think it's going to take a while for everyone to feel comfortable the way that they did pre-pandemic. Obviously, if the vaccine is widely distributed and taken, that will help. But I mean, you probably have the experience where you're watching an older movie and everybody's hanging out together and hugging and you're like, where are the masks? Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> All the time. So I feel like we, we do have this, this reaction now where we're like, oh gosh, I can't be so close to this person. Or, you know, it's just a, a new way of thinking that we've trained ourselves to do. So I think it's going to take a while for that um, to completely go away. But I also think that people 
will feel safe returning to the theater and will be excited to return to the theater. I think it's mostly dependent on the vaccine, to be honest. But but yeah, next you know, hopefully year or so, I think we'll be seeing at least some sort of return to in-person. So, you know, currently there's nothing planned past January 2021 on your website. Is there any sort of programming that we can look forward to? Yes, absolutely. We actually just announced our February and March events for our Race to Justice series, which if you haven't checked it out, I highly encourage you to do so. And if you have, I highly encourage you to continue because it's been extremely powerful. We created the Race to Justice series in response to all the sort of unrest and and people waking up to racial injustice in this country that was spurred by the murder of George Floyd, which, you know, if you remember earlier this year, it was like Corona happened. And then we had this huge upswelling of people like waking up to inequality. And those were kind of happening simultaneously. So we wanted to program a virtual series that was entertaining, but we also felt this really strong need to address a serious issue that is ongoing in our culture and in our throughout our history and that we need to look at to, to move forward. So, so Race to Justice events for February and March are up. It's a really pretty wide-spanning group of people. You'll have scientists, like we have the first African-American astronaut who's going to talk about her experiences breaking barriers in, in sort of in STEM. And then we have the comedian W. Kamau Bell, who if you guys aren't familiar with him, he's really great. He talks a lot about how people can be allies in this kind of work. And then we have like the author Michelle Alexander, who talks about prison and how it's like the new Jim Crow. Um, so it's it's a really wide spanning range of of talks. We also have a theater artist. So it, it there's definitely something for everyone. Check it out. And then in terms of what we're calling house calls, which is our sort of more entertaining music and authors and that type of stuff, um, we will be announcing that next week. So stay tuned for that. And then farther down the road, we will announce our spring quarter for events in April and May. And don't worry, we always have something going on. So, you know, (laughs) We'll, we'll announce what we have for summer and for next season and all that. We, we're not going to stop. It's very reassuring just knowing that so many, you know, different industries, even within the arts, I don't know, I'm just thinking about awards season, which is a really small part of that, but just how everything, all the normal calendar stuff has been thrown off and moved around. And so it is really reassuring that Arts and Lectures is able to like not just adapt, but also continue building on its programs and incorporating current events like you were just talking about into the the events you're holding. I think that really kind of highlights the always relevant practice of the arts and culture. So I know I'm biased, but I really appreciate that. And I guess that kind of leads into a larger existential question for you, which is why is it so important to keep the arts going during hard times like this? I think it's just a part of who we are. We need to be 
inspired. We need to be in awe. We need to see things that change our way of thinking. We need to be intellectually stimulated, but also emotionally stimulated. And the arts do all of that. You know, it, it taps into so many different parts of our brain. And I don't think that there's ever been a time when humans didn't reach to the arts to express ourselves in ways that words don't work or, or whatever it is. Uh, we need the arts. And I'm probably going to butcher this quote, but it makes me think of, there's a famous Winston Churchill quote where somebody says, because of the war, they, ha they have to cut funding to the arts. And he says, well, if we're cutting the arts, then what are we fighting for? Or something like that. I feel like it's true when you look at turbulent times or not. I mean, we need them. They're a part of us. And we feel the need to keep creating no matter what. And we feel the need to keep engaging with creativity no matter what. Yeah. And, and you know, unfortunately, in turbulent times past and present, the arts seem to be the first thing to go. How do you think that we can address that in the future and, and you know, continue to support the arts, which are so important to our communities during these times when there's not that much money to go around? Yeah, it's a really important question. You know, we look at people who are lining up at food banks or trying to get internet so that their kids can go to school on Zoom and all these things. And it's hard to say like, oh, but you have to fund our dance program. But I think that I think that people realize that it's all connected. We're full humans and we need the full human range of, of expression and emotion and interest. We need it all. And so I think that people are just continuing to do what they can. It's like they'll order takeout from a restaurant to keep their favorite restaurant going. They'll buy a ticket to arts and lectures to help support us. They'll support the local food bank you know it's it's like people are just pitching in however wherever and whenever they can to the causes that strike them and I and I think that that's just got to be the way it is yeah and and it's really inspiring to to definitely see how much people have come together to support these causes over the last year well Caitlin thank you so much for sitting down with us and having these important conversations Thank you so much for having me. This has been really fun. I hope we can do it again soon. Yeah, we're really looking forward to all the future programming. And I hope everybody who is listening also goes and checks out Arts and Lectures schedule. Um, and by the way, for students, everything is free right now. So definitely check it, check it out. <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't love free stuff? Yeah. <laughs> It's like the, you know, central component of being a college student. <laughs> okay, well, thank, thank you. you so much. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Here are some other hot headlines from the Daily Nexus. Leah Tubian was elected the next Associated Students President last Friday in an AS special election, which took place following the resignation of previous President Davion Beasley. In a statement from the UC Office of the President issued on January 11th, UC President Michael V. Drake stressed that planning for in-person learning next fall is underway. 
Opinion staff writer Kristen Wu calls for the accountability of big tech for the recent attack of the U.S. Capitol by radical supporters of President Trump. Check out all the headlines at dailynexus.com. Special thanks to our guest Caitlin O'Hara and the Hot Off the Pod team, Emily Kosis, Josh and Manti, and Tony Schindler-Ruberg. Check us out on all the socials to meet the team and see more behind the scenes of the making of the pod. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast. See you next time.